so excited to be back this is two undead girls i'm nina and i'm molly and this is what season three season two season i mean sorry episode two three ah oh, crap i don't know whatever anyway we noticed that our following had grown a lot over the past few weeks and so we wanted to start this episode with a little bit of backstory i know that's going to be boring but we won't go too far into it because you can honestly go listen to very first episode and kind of gives a play-by-play on just how Two Undead Girls got started and where we're coming from when we give advice. We are not professionals. We want you to know that we have a lot of experiences that are very different and very much the same. And so that we do find that being helpful to a lot of people. You want to take it off with our backstory? Yeah. um, I mean, basically how Two Undead Girls got started was... After, okay, let me rewind a little bit. So me and and my son, Mason, we moved back to North Carolina after his dad passed. And his dad passed in 2021. We were back here by June of 2022. We moved in with Nina and her girls. And we just kind of decided to have a little blended family and, you know, have that support that we needed have just having that other person there um which was super helpful for both of us it's so been- rewind again a little bit more um in april of 2021 the same year just yes. a few months ahead um i lost the, my husband and the father of my two girls so now we have what's left in the house <laughs> is now molly and mason and me nina and charlie and sailor and occasionally you'll hear us talk about G Daddy. That's my dad. My adopted dad. And just the best person ever. But honestly, we had no intentions of even doing a podcast or doing anything like this. We no. thought that we could do it on TikTok and kind of have fun with it. And then so many people asked for us to like share our experiences. And that was just a lot. Neither of us are like really experts at, at the TikTok. At the TikTok. The, the TikTok. Tic-tac. TikTok. Um, we're not sure. So we didn't really feel comfortable like making a TikTok where we gave our backstory where we had to do it in like seven different parts. That was like way out of our realm. And then people would be asking questions and then we would have to continue and continue and continue. It would just be like this whole long drawn out thing. And I'm not here for that. It's just so much easier doing it this way. And honestly, we thought after the first episode, we were like, we'll see how many people listen and if it's a hit. And then like, the amount of people that reached out to us after daddy dust which is our first episode like we couldn't have ever stopped we genuinely just felt like we can never stop because every time we reach somebody else that's like oh my gosh this saved my life and i'm like even if it's one person this is what it's worth yeah so you know that's just our little little details of the backstory and how we got started we known each other since i was 14 she was 17. we weren't like super tight then um, it was definitely later in our life that we became tight, but now we're lifers. So lifers <laughs> for life. And it's been just over a year now that me and Mason have been here. I feel like it had just been a few months when we first started recording last time and we're now have passed our year mark, which is why I thought it'd be fun to do like a grief episode because so much has changed in 
I'm pretty sure in that first episode, we were like whining about not being able to find a therapist and all this stuff. And like so much has changed. So we're just really excited to like kind of catch, catch you guys, guys up. up. Oh, that was cute. We do that a lot. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so like I said, this episode's mainly going to be on grief and loss and just a bunch of different other topics that we were given. We did a lot the other day. We got a lot of really good questions, but we kind of just want to break it down to you and how our experiences are have been that's the number one thing i want to like push once again because we just recently did an episode on religion and the backlash that we got from some of that i just want to reiterate this is how we feel and this is our experiences and how we have learned and been affected by grief it's not the same for everyone I can't say it louder for the ba- people in the back because I'll scream in your ears yeah. while you're listening to this on the way to work. But you go through grief in your own way. Everybody will go through grief in their own way. And no two people will go through grief in the same way. Me and Molly don't even go through grief in the same way. We're just able to notice our ways and make it work. Mm-hmm. And we understand that what we have is a very rare situation and a rare opportunity because not everybody has that support of somebody that will understand them yeah and having also having kids that understand what the other kids are going through too i think it's extremely beneficial i mean and we even have a friend um justin that has a little boy that his he's lost his mom and it's so cute when they're all over here playing and last time i was like I think, um, I remember Mason was like, my, my dad died. And he was like, oh, it's okay. My mom, my mom died. And it was like such a chill moment for kids that I was like, whoa, <laughs> it was a little too chill. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later and just how they process it. So as far as for adults and for ourselves, we are rolling with the punches. Making some progress, slowly but surely making progress and learning better coping mechanisms i can honestly say from like she said it's almost been a year since she's first moved here since they first moved here and i can say we now have more days of smiles than tears oh for sure and i feel like that alone like can we give that a round of applause that's a good one good try don't get me wrong there are lots of tears but as far as it comes with our grief journeys it's a lot less tears and a lot more smiles and a lot more memories and that's that's where i wanted to be i wanted to get there so bad it took almost three years but i wanted to get there so bad and i'm glad we are and it's funny too because it's like those those times of tears now those will come at the most random of times, you know, it's, they will literally, like it's like a, in middle school and guys would walk past you and like sweep under your feet. Yeah. And you'd fall to your butt. Yeah. It's like exactly like that. Yeah. That's how it feels to me. It's like, oh, okay. Just got taken out. Cool. Yeah. Grief just took me out. It's sometimes it'll be like something so small and random that can trigger it. Or it's, a, you know, a, a significant date coming up that you know is coming and you can prepare for but then it's those moments that you aren't prepared for that you didn't expect that are the ones that really get you the most that's one that fuck me up because i 
I'm prepared. I feel like I'm ready. I got my body armor on. Like I'm like standing there, like I know this day's coming. Let's go. Let's go. Working on my breathing, my grounding techniques. Like I, I got everything. I'm gonna do my slow starfish breathing first. I got my resources. I got everything I need. I got my journal. But I got a on speed dial. <laughs> it. The problem is when you're just walking down the street and you realize somebody's wearing Versace's arrows, and you're like, wow. I am immediately depressed. That took me back um, to a place I really want to be at, but I know I can't be at. Um, I, it's a hard feeling. It's just, it, like she said, when you're not expecting it, that's when it's the worst because it just, it really is like just a gut punch. The One of the hardest ones for me most recently, I think was at one of Mason's soccer games. I it was a you know big field there was lots of teams playing lots of parents and out of the corner of my eye i saw someone that had that he was built exactly like mason's dad beard like mason's dad hat backwards like body shape height he, everything he looked almost identical like from my peripheral vision i can't say that word peripheral vision and my heart like skipped a beat and i had to like remind myself i'm like wait nope nope that's not him and then that was like a big like moment of realization. It was just like, how many more times is this going to happen in my life where, you know, I'm walking down the street and I see somebody that looks like him and it takes my breath away for a second. Uh, it's really not fair. And there's no way or a like ability to disarm yourself or avoid situations like that. They're just yeah. going to be what they are and you've got to roll with it. I mean, just know that it is going to happen at some point. Like you don't know when, but it will happen. When I used to, I used to sob every time I heard, you know, sirens or emergency vehicles. I would literally just sit there, cover my ears and just sob. But now it's been, we've talked about this so much in the past few weeks. I feel like we have to talk about it on here. We've been trying to do what we call exposure therapy and Which they just, don't recommend, by the way. No, I, th I don't think they recommend it. But we've been trying to do it. Um, so because of the fact that I live in a place that has a four-way intersection right in front of it, people are constantly, I mean, the fire department's, what, three minutes down the road? Yeah. And then there's another one, another four minutes down the road. Um, it's, it's not likely that I'm going to not hear a siren again. It's pretty much every day, and if not every day, every other day that we will hear them. So the exposure therapy on that one was just having to deal with it. Yeah, I sobbed the first few times, but then you just realize this is a part of life, and this is, you're going to hear sirens again. You can't avoid them. No. We need them when we need them, so don't don't be scared of them. Like... I had to literally talk myself down and just be exposed to it every time it would come by my house and just get better and better every time. Um, and that's what we call exposure therapy, you know, like with Kiss Me, the song. Yeah, that one, for some godforsaken reason, loves to come on the Pandora at work every single day. And in the beginning, I immediately, I would grab the remote, like I would stop whatever it was I was doing, I would grab the remote and I would change it just because I couldn't handle listening to it. And now we, we've we taken baby steps. Like, we'll get halfway through the song before she'll realize it's on. And I'll be like, wait, wait, wait. Let it just play a little longer. Yeah. And now it's to the point where I can listen to the whole song and not completely 
lose it unless I'm having a bad day. Like the other day I had a really bad day, like grief wise, I had had my first dream about Rolo and it was not a good dream, which really upset me because I really wanted the first dream that I ever had about him since he passed to be a good one. And it was a bad dream. And so that threw me off kilter the entire day. And then that song came on at work and my eyes like just immediately welled up and, but I let it play. Like I just let it keep going just because I knew I needed to do it. Cause I can't keep hiding from it for forever. I mean, it's not like I can avoid that song for the rest of my life. It's not possible. It's a classic. Next is how grief and mental illness can have a physical effects on your body, body. Ooh, I can't talk how grief and mental illnesses had can have physical effects on your body. So, Ooh, this is a, this is a whole clusterfuck for me. Yeah. I mean, you can especially tap into this, this one, like the anxiety and sometimes even not necessarily anxiety, but just like the overwhelming feeling of grief and emotions that you can feel can make you literally feel like you're having a heart attack. Yeah. And it's not a joke. And if you're ever around somebody who is grieving or who does have anxiety, when they say they feel like they're having a heart attack, none, you know, I'm going to be real with you probably eight times out of 10, it is a bad panic attack. However, however, they can be heart attacks. They can lead to heart attacks. So please, please, if someone says that, believe them. Yeah. My dad's probably taking me to the hospital or people have probably taken me to the hospital several times just because I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn into the little boy that cried wolf. So I need to learn the difference. (laughs) Um, And I finally could figure it out. Yeah, it is. It is very, very painful though. And, you know, there are tools that I've been given um, by my therapist and just by, you know, learning what helps me in general. But I mean, pressure always helps. An ice pack always helps. You don't have an ice pack handy, a cold water bottle, anything that's cold. I have taken cold, right in the I've center taken of your chest. one of those screw things that go inside water bottles. It's like goes in the freezer yeah. and it freezes. And you, I've taken one of those and like shoved it down in my shirt, like in my sternum area. And There's a nerve like, that I've goes through so your, um, that goes through like the majority of your body called the vagus nerve. And that's what you're trying to get. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, we are scientists. I can't tell you exactly where your vagus nerve is, but it runs. Well, I mean, I, not I mean, not on every single person. No, it's the same on everybody. Is it? I had a conversation with my therapist actually on Monday about this, and she actually sent me a chart of the body. So I do know exactly where all of them are. But a lot of them, it runs right through the center of your body and your chest area. So well, it starts up here and that's why a lot of panic attacks will like, you'll feel like that tenseness in your neck. Um, I always have that, but it will, it will help by putting ice and pressure on your chest. Um, kind of doubling over, bending over. I call it egging. I don't know why, but like get in, in a ball on the floor. That helps me. Other ways that it can physical fit. Well, our weight, I mean, gosh, let's start there. Yeah. And that's something that gets commented on way, way, way too often. And it drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, with, for, in my case, uh, when Rolo died, so 
anxiety and stress and anything like that. Depression, grief. It affects my stomach. It's always affected my stomach, even before Rolo died. Like if I was anxious, anything like that, it would affect my stomach. And then after literally the day Rolo died uh, is the day that I stopped being able to keep food down. And I was pretty much unable to keep food down for the most part for almost a full month. I was surviving mainly off of Pedialyte popsicles and Clonopins, I think. We got you eating food (laughs) there towards the end of that month. Yeah, I ate some Thanksgiving food. I did eat that. Well, and like we would, we would eat like snacks if we went out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, same thing happened to me. I don't know if anybody, I mean, hopefully the people that listen to this can relate, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that's lost someone and you just don't have the urge to eat. I mean, my family was force feeding me for quite a while and I was doing the same thing. I was like doing raspberry sherbet and like. Oh, yeah. We did drink a lot of those. Um, oh, smoothies. From Tropical Smoothie. Mm-hmm. We did. We lived off Tropical Smoothie with the protein scoop in them for a hot Because minute. we have no appetite. <laughs> we, we're traumatized. We're sad. We're depressed. All we want is our man back, and we don't have the resources to do so. And so it, it gets you to a point of... No, I don't want to eat. No, I don't want to. Do, I don't want to make any decisions. I don't care. Sure, I'll eat it if you put it in front of me. But you know, other than that, like I'm not going to go out of my way to eat, feed myself. Yeah. And it's not a healthy thing. No. And so half the time when people comment on how good we look or how skinny we are, we're like, no, please, no. Can I, we not like, talk about it? <laughs> I just tell people. I always just comment back to them by being like, I would pay for your curves or like I love your body. Actually, I think it's perfect. So. Because people don't understand, and I'm not going to sit there and, like, lecture every single one of my customers, but, like, I didn't I didn't want to be this skinny. No, no. And <laughs> I didn't want it to go this far. The grief paired with the receiving an ADHD diagnosis for me at the exact same, same time. Well, at the same time, yeah. And being put on medication did not help that. Yeah, because when you first start that medication, that's when you really see a lot of that weight loss. Yeah, and... Then, you know, it's, it's plateaued in the last like few months or so. And I'm back to the size I'm the, the size that I am now is the size that I was right before I got pregnant with Mason. I was about to say pre-Mason. I'm pre, I'm pre-Mason size, which is not unusual for me. My BMI is normal. My, no, it's actually it's, healthy for her. It is. And then they're like, I'm, you're I'm, malnourished. And I'm like, shut up. That's yeah. only because I'm seven feet tall or seven inches taller than her. And, but people comment on it all the time, but that's because they're not used to seeing who, like, me before Mason. So they didn't know that, that is my normal body because weight. Because you and struggled my... with that after Mason. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't. And people I don't know. A that... lot of people don't know that either. So they're I like, couldn't get that weight off so after having girl. Mason for forever until Rollo died slash ADHD gate. Um, <laughs> shout out to both of you for that, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one, that one really, really bothers me a lot. I just, I don't think you should comment on people's weight because you never know what they're going through. And sometimes I like to just be brutally honest and catch them off guard. So then they feel stupid for being like, yeah, no, don't do this. Cause this is for my husband dying. So, um, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen to you. Maybe I don't recommend the dead husband diet. (laughs) 
it takes a toll not only though on physical effects but on your like actual overall health and I think this is the one that bamboozled me the most like the fact that your grief and your loss and that causing your depression slash anxiety and a wave of emotions all the time can really actually affect your actual health and now I'm over here like a fainting goat with orthostatic hypotension that like I never had before, but, you know, thanks, Alan. Now when I stand up, I pass out. So it's really fun, um, and it really is one of those things that when they tell you, you, well, it can be caused by, you know, throughout lots of stress and grief, and I'm like, how? How are all these medical diagnoses can be caused by grief? Like, this is not right. Yeah, it's it's been pretty crazy just to kind of watch and you know I don't have the same kind but I do have things because all those things that she mentioned they're stored inside your body in different places in your body and that's where you carry them and that's something I'm working on in therapy is learning how to release that and get so you know my body isn't taking such a toll because it's like at the end of every single day you're exhausted I am so exhausted mentally like more than the average person like everything I think that's why I'm so caffeine dependent because I, I, I can't get through a day without it. Like it's exhausting just trying to maintain, you know, I've haven't had one in a long time, knock on wood, but my psychosomatic fevers, I think I've talked about those before, which are brought on from stress and grief and not giving your body the rest and downtime that it needs. So your body just decides, hey, I'm going to do this for you. You're going to be really sick and have a really high fever and sleep for like 48 hours. And then I'm fine. And I'm pretty sure we did update you on this at one point, but maybe not. I am cardiomyopathy free. So I am no longer, I no longer have broken heart syndrome, which is good. Another real, very real way that grief can take over your health and lead to some crazy-ish and it's ridiculous the amount of things it can lead to. Honestly, I like I just don't understand how that happens. It's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. I don't. Oh, thanks. I mean, that's no, very poetic. I, I mean, it's from um, I think it's from Bruce Almighty. It is. All right, so that's pretty much all we got on that one. Like I said, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, as m- many experiences as we can share, um, the more people we can reach, then the more people we can help. So, sorry, that was my pen. We're going to move on to death and how it affects the children. And one of the questions we were asked when doing our live um, about what people wanted to hear about was how did we explain it to them? Or how do you explain it to children in general? I'm going to start off with how I told my son. Number one, it will Keep in mind this is different for every kid of every age, of every level of understanding. I mean, we still technically haven't told Sailor, but she's two, you know? Yeah. When Um, she asks, we'll tell her. Yeah, when she's older and can comprehend it and understand. Right. Um... With Mason, Mason was seven when it happened. He had just turned seven. And it was single-handedly the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do in my life. Aside from his dad's actual funeral was telling Mason. I... Well, he had a great time at the funeral. He did. He really did. He had a blast. 
he was playing, he had a stuffed animal, he was having time of his life. His dad wasn't. Um, <laughs> How do you know? But I, I mean, you know, I found out in the morning and I let him stay at school so I could have time at home to process and on the phone with me. Yeah. And by processing, I mean, I was pretty much in a catatonic state staring out the window um, until my sister went to go pick him up from his after school care when I felt like I was emotionally stable enough in that moment to be able to tell him when he came home. And so I just, I took him upstairs to my room and I told him, I was like, hey, you know, buddy, I was like, something bad happened to daddy. Um, I was like, I just explained to him kind of what, what happened. And, um, he's not laughing. I just know what comes next. <laughs> he asked me if his dad was eaten by a shark. Um, and I told him that he wished his, his dad wished that he was that cool. Um, but you know, he cried for, you know, a few minutes and then asked if he could go outside and play. And I just stared at him and bold, like Roller is that cool. Don't talk about Riptide Roller like that. He is really cool. But it was just like, okay. And But now it's like as he's getting older and, you know, he'll be nine soon, there's more and more things coming out that are that his dad's death affected him by. I don't yeah. Know if I said that right. No, it, it definitely makes sense. I mean, I. Both girls were home when Alan passed, um, or when we found Alan, and I tried to shield them from as much as I possibly could, but I think, I believe the firefighters or EMS people had them, you know, distracted with phones until my mom could get there and family members. Um, I waited until the next day and kind of just asked her if she understood what had happened the night before. She had she knew a lot about what had happened and like literally, but she didn't understand really what death was or what it meant. Um, she asked if we could charge him, so I think she meant she thought death meant like when your phone dies. Just um, plug him on up. Unfortunately, we can't plug him up, baby. But you know, it it was a, worth a shot. Um, I mean, it was hard because I felt like she didn't really understand. She said she understood, but I don't think she really understood. Um, it was almost, it almost got to the point where, I, and I mean this obviously with no harm because I didn't do this, but I wanted to sh like shake her and be like, did you hear what I said? Like, did you hear that your daddy is dead? Like, are you comprehending this? Like, but I couldn't because they have their own ways of comprehending things. They have their own ways of learning things and learning what death is and experiencing it. And they have to experience it that way. But what she was talking about, what Molly was just talking about, the painful questions of clarity, those come, those l wonderful questions, those come later in life. You know, later Usually when they when have, expect it too. <laughs> when they have, you know, come across something that they go, huh, I don't understand that. And then they'll ask you and it, it really, you know, it stings. It's like that you think you've gotten it explained to them. To the best of your ability. To the best of your ability or to the best of their understanding. And then it, 
one of these questions will just slap you in the face where you're just like, I, I don't know. We did end up getting them this really cool book that kind of explains death to children in a way that they do understand. Um, and it's honest, it's literally called a kid's book about death. It's by Taryn and I am not even going to try and pronounce this last name because I'm going to butcher it, but it's spelled S C H V E L K E. And I'm going to put in the description, all yeah. these titles that I give you guys and the author's names, if you wanted to look them up. On it's your own. so good. I mean, obviously me and Molly could not make it through without sobbing, but we tried our hardest and it was, it's a really good book. It's, it definitely helps. It, it just it. gives all the different perspectives. And I feel like that's what's important. Like they need to know that they're not the only ones that have been through this. And they need to know that, yes, death happens lots of times when you're old and can be expected. But it can also happen lots of times unexpected and before it's your time. And it broke it down in ways of being like, you know, if your lungs stop working, therefore your body can't work. And it almost seems like when you first look at it, everybody kind of looks at it and is like, oh, no, that's a little too, like, blunt. But I think that's the point. Kids don't think like we do. You have to tell them. Kids, it's, like it's it very is. black and white with kids. If you really want them to understand, you're going to have to explain it in a way. I mean. Don't tiptoe around it. Don't tiptoe around it. They're going to figure it out. So just, or they're just going to continue to ask more questions that are going to trigger you. So or just tell them. They're going to come up with what they think it is in their head. And that sometimes or lots of times is worse. Yeah, and it's wrong. So if you give them, you know, a clear black and white idea, vision, description of what it was, then it helps them understand more. Um, so ignoring it, sugarcoating it, dumbing it down, it it's not best because in the long run, it's just going to, you know, make it harder on both of you. And then just for like parents resources um there is the grieving child by helen fitzgerald and then also a parent's guide to raising grieving children by phyllis r silverman and madeline kelly and then there's we don't die which is george anderson's conversations with the other side by joel martin and patricia romanowski those are all really good books they're really informative they're very helpful um in having a child who is grieving and i believe the author of the grieving child also has written a book called the grieving teen so if you had an older child who has lost you know a parent a friend which i imagine is just a whole different realm you know like yeah that's that's you know hormones thrown in there now and i know um but those are those are some really good books that you can check out if you were in that type of situation and didn't quite know how to navigate it, I would recommend checking those out for sure. Yeah. I mean, I I think we have obviously touched on this before, but just from our experience and our perspective, it has been way harder watching my kids grieve and watching even Mason grieve than my own loss. It's so much more sad when they get upset. It, breaks your heart into a million pieces even my dad can't keep it together sometimes it just truly rips your heart out because you know they're just way too young to be going through this but they're also they're so so resilient that they're they don't know what they're missing out on yet they don't know what they're going to miss out on later in life 
they don't know they're not going to know the we're over here getting you. sad because they're not gonna have somebody to you know give them away at their wedding and i'm in reality they're like that's not even on their brain yeah and it's just it's stuff that as adults we think about but of course it's not on their brains and that's why if you do have a grieving child or if you're grieving of your own you're grieving yourself like don't just put the child in therapy because the most important thing you could do is get therapy for yourself. It's just like the old saying of the airplane. I know everybody hates the airplane analogy, but it's so true sometimes. Like if you don't put oxygen on yourself, how are you supposed to save them? And having myself and my daughter in therapy within the same network has just been extremely life-changing because I can take the notes from her therapist and take them into mine, you know, therapist and say, what can I do better to make her feel more comfortable? Or what could I do differently? And what can I do here? And I think it it's, you're not going to fully get the growing and the, I, I don't like the term moving on, but the growth, you're not going to get the growth that you want if you're not helping yourself. You've yeah. got to help yourself. But you also have to help your kids. But just remember, it's not as hard on the kids right now. It seems like it is. In certain moments, it really is. But overall, you've got to take care of yourself first because you can't. How are you supposed to parent when you're coming home every day drained because you felt like you had a heart attack three times today? You know? Yeah. And that's from experience. That is from experience. Don't let it get to that point because it's it's sad. And it just makes it times harder well it also is a spiral a spiral effect because then you start feeling guilty and then you start feeling you know sad and guilty that you're not around for your kid as much but it's it's the most important thing you can do is get help for yourself and then get help for your kids is it time for questions, questions. from the tiktok questions from our tiktok live the other day okay First question is thoughts. They want to know our thoughts on the afterlife. So we have pretty similar thoughts on the afterlife. Obviously, if you've listened to our previous episode, you know our stance there. It's not a heaven and hell complex. It's more of a like other side. Other side. Yeah. It's like the upside down. But I like was about to say, scary. we always compare it to Stranger Things for some <laughs> reason, but it's not scary. Um, it's like the good place. Yeah, it's just like where you go. And, you know, um, you know, we obviously can't explain it. We haven't been there. We only know from what we've been told, from what we've learned ourselves. You know, Doug Forsett got really high on mushrooms one night and got it like 84% correct. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The good place. Um, but, yeah, I I definitely believe in an afterlife. I definitely believe that they're just kind of chilling, hanging out. Um, in, I feel like it's bold to say I know, but, like, I know there's an afterlife. I don't know in what form that is. I have yeah. been trying to battle with that myself just in figuring out, like, where is he? What like what what, what is he this? doing? Like what are you doing right now? But um, I doing? do believe, like I do know there is an afterlife. Otherwise, I just don't know where, 
Well, I guess that leads into the next question because the next question is, do you think our loved ones send us signs? Which I and have, I was going to say, I, I don't two, know how I have you two things written down here. I don't know that. how you can believe not believe in the afterlife if you've received signs from your loved ones. So Which we both have. We both have. We have the kids have. If you haven't, it may be that you're not open to them. But once again, that's touched in this book that we both love. Um, I was recommended this book not long after Alan passed by my good friend Debbie, and it's just been so helpful. Uh, the name of the book is Signs, The Secret Language of the Universe, and it's by Laura Lynn Jackson. And in most of the book is stories about people's signs that they've gotten from their loved ones. Um, I haven't actually finished the book. I really want to. It's on my TBR, but I just haven't gotten that far yet. But I did go through and take out a couple things that would be just useful and helpful if you're wondering what to look for as far as signs go, like the most common ones that will be sent to you. Just know that they will. Oh, they 100% will. You've got to be open and you've got to be understanding yeah. and willing to hear them out. Because um, they're the weirdest signs, trust me. Birds and butterflies are a huge one, and we both get a lot of those. <laughs> Deer. That was not one I expected to see on the list. That was not one I expected to see at all. Electrical events. Mm. That one we both deal with a lot. Um, I mean, I always keep in mind, too, that Alan did, like, he did a lot of le electrical work because he was so good at it and his dirty rotten father was an electrician so he worked with him some um but he i don't know what he'd be doing to the lights i don't know but it's the same for me it's our our bathroom not every time we're in it but most of the times like if i'm in there taking a bath or a shower or something nine times out of ten the lights start going haywire and they, i always thought that was just because the water was running but then when i went yeah. in there the other day to pee yeah it doesn't when i pee too I, mm, it's it, it's frustrating like now it they, literally looks like morse code because we have three light bulbs and they'll blink at different times and i'm like i don't know what y'all are saying to me but neither me or molly know morse code so but it, there's also the light in the hallway um, going up the Upstairs. stairs that also likes to go a little haywire. That one has actually blown the entire bulb before, um, and it was a brand new bulb. So yeah, that was hilarious. They, they really, really like fucking with our lights. Um, I guess I just think it's funny. Another one is coins in your path. This one I can't relate to. But I can. Um, so Alan worked at the hospital, and... He loved to do like little weird things. That's what I loved about him. But um, he worked at the hospital in like the sterilization department. And I, you know, read in this book coins, like coins left from our loved ones or coins we find in their pockets or coins left in our path or whatever it, in so many different forms. And, and people have found them everywhere. And I'm like, well, this is stupid. I'm not finding any coins. I wish you would have left me some coins because, you know, just being salty. And then one day I start going through his stuff and I found a sterilized bag of coins. He had taken the coins from the inside of his cup holder like Which we all know gets sticky, gets and, sticky and nasty and sanitized it and just sent it through the 
the what is it called sterilization sterilization machine? machine and it's sealed shut and i'm like okay i guess i, I can't talk anymore because it was right when i was starting to get sassy about the well he never left me coins i find that and i'm like okay heard heard gotcha um street signs i don't think i've had anything come up with street signs for me um music and songs is a big one obviously i mean we know my experiences with that and it's not just um kiss me either my brother who passed six months after rollo um whenever we first met we were 11 and 12 we were only about a year apart um and he was in his emo boy uh phase and he loved good charlotte and good charlotte always comes on the same radio station that Kiss Me comes on at work. And anytime Good Charlotte comes on, I know. Which is like totally hi. not the same radio station. Yeah, no. It's like, it's it's bizarre. But um, anytime I hear that, I always think of, it's like him saying, hey. Um, so music and songs, is, and, but music is something that I, I love music. Music is such an outlet for me. Um, something that I can relate to so much. And so I think that that's why that one's probably a bigger one for me. Um, feathers. Feathers is another one that we both get a lot of. I have a collection. Those ones our kids have found a lot of. Yeah. Mason's brought me all of his that he's found, and I have one that I found, but I've kept them all, and they are in a jar upstairs. Rainbows. Um, That's one I actually didn't know. I did. I um, think it surprised me that I didn't know that, because I was like, oh, yeah, rainbows, of course. But, like, I wouldn't have thought of that as a sign. Um... I actually have a picture of Mason not long after his dad had passed and he's standing outside and it had just rained. This is while we were still in Oregon and there's just this huge double rainbow over him. No, that's true. I did. We did have, I took that picture of that double or that giant rainbow right over the house that one time. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah. One of those things you don't really think about. Uh, another one is billboards, um, license plates. Mm-hmm. Ladybugs mm -hmm. and numerical sequences, um, and that one's a big one for me. I I see numerical sequences all the time, um, daily, pretty much. I'm pretty so. sure our current um, TikTok following is one thousand three hundred thirty-three. Nice. Nice. My number is 444. Like my specific angel number is 444. I see it multiple times a day, every single day, everywhere. And it's been like that pretty much since Rolo died. Um, so I just kind of take that as, you know, That's my time for down me. And we have 44 minutes recorded. <laughs> see? Um, but something else that the book touched on, and it basically said, our team of light tries so hard to get through to us in difficult moments. They're determined not to let our fear, grief, or uncertainty uncertainty get in the way of our hardest can't talk today. Highest life path. Signs we need to listen to and honor would be like a phrase or an idea that pops into your head. And this is touching more on intuition. This is touching on, you know, not this many things you can see but more of feelings some people send signs by and especially if you're a logical person and your person knew that you were a logical person they'd know you're not going to listen to these 
signs of deer and ladybugs and feathers, then they're going to be like, yeah, whatever. That's all just random stuff you'd see in nature. Um, but for those people, lots of times your loved one will come in through a more intuitive way and it'll be like in your gut and it'll be moments where you need to trust your gut because they know, they know that people like us aren't going to listen to anybody else. So they think they can get into our head and let us listen to ourselves, hopefully. So those are the moments that you really got to trust your gut and trust that you had that idea for a reason. Yeah. Um, and that's something I need to get better on is learning to trust my inner intuition. I ignore my inner intu- intuition and my gut feelings way, way, way too much. And every single time it ends out, it turns out that it's right. Everything that, you know, I was feeling that any kind of insert uncertainty that I felt, any kind of anxiousness that I felt, anything like that, it ended up being right. And I should have listened in the first place and saved myself a lot of trouble. Um, Which is weird because you're the most intuitive. I know. It's really, I don't know why you push it away. It's really aggravating. I know. (laughs) Um, The voice of a crossed loved one. And I say this one all the time. And people, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're probably going to think I sound like an insane person. But I can hear Rolo's voice in my head. Like, there will be times where I will say something and I'll hear his little giggle in my head. And there's times where I'll, like, I'll just hear a phrase he would say or something I know he would say to me when I need to hear it. Uh And... Nine times out of ten, it's usually the giggle because I've said something either childish or some kind of dark humor joke about him or something like that. Um, So it makes me feel better about my extreme dark humor that scares most people. Um, And the last one is the sense that your loved one is present, Um, which I... People ignore this one a lot. Yeah. 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 if you feel like he's in, he or she or your grandma or your grandpa or whoever you, who it is, whoever it is that you're grieving, if you feel like they're in the room, don't push that off. Don't dust that off your shoulders. Don't think that that's some crazy witchcraft or insane. In like, don't think it's not possible. It is possible. It's not in the same way we want it. Of course not. But like, hone in on yourself and really believe that because. They are. Yeah. They are in your room. Yeah. And it it sounds totally creepy, but at the same time, it can be comforting in a way. I remember the very first night that I, that Rolo died, like that first night I had to go to sleep, I laid there, you know, I made Mason sleep with me that night because I didn't want to sleep by myself. So, and I laid there and I just sobbed and I begged him and I was like, please, I was like, come, I was like, help me calm down, help me go to sleep. I need to go to sleep. Like, I need you to calm me down. There's nothing else that can do it. Like, and then out of nowhere, it was like this calmness almost took over my entire body and I was able to fall asleep and I slept the whole night. You know, it was his big ass getting in the bed, like being the big spoon. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, those are the, that, that's what that's talking about. It's like, you know, and I don't think you're crazy. Yeah. When you have these moments. But you can ask for them. 
you can ask for signs and that's mentioned in the book signs and that's one thing i didn't realize either i was like i feel like i'm getting no signs from him and but somebody finally was like have you ever asked and i'm like no like ask for a specific one if you really don't want if you want to test it one day i i mean i have and i've never been failed but of course i think alan likes a challenge but i will literally set my goal on something so stupid like alan show me a fancy blue car today if you're you know if you're here if you're chilling and i'll pull up at the stoplight and there'll be a fancy you know blue maserati or something rolling through winston and i'm like thanks sometimes it'll take a couple hours but then you see it and you remember you asked for it earlier that day and you're like oh there there he is okay hey i think the name of the chapter in the book is called oranges because that's what she started out with she asked she asked she wanted to be shown an orange that was that's what she wanted her sign to be because she knew that that was something that she was not going to just like come across during her daily path and that was the sign that she asked for and that was the sign that she received so that's what i'm saying like make it something that you don't normally see and trust me around here we're normally seeing tractors and big old trucks and broke down subarus so yeah ask ask for something specific something either you or them would know that's why I did a blue Maserati for him because blue was the color he wanted his car to be. Like I wanted it to be something like I wanted it to be a very specific thing. And I was like, there's no way. I even took a picture of it to make sure it was a Maserati. Sure was. That was a little thing. Uh, I love that so much. It's crazy. It's tricky fuckers. It, it's insane what you can feel and what you can think of. I mean, the sky is not the limit. No. I feel like more than it, there's more um because there's been so many times where me and molly will get so much it sounds bad to say peace but but in a way yeah like so much peace from just sitting there talking about like i wonder what alan and roller are doing right now yeah because obviously think they're, just, they're like, together chilling? you think that you, you think he's taking a shit like what do you think they're doing like we're like Rolla's so definitely taking a shit. we're just like always joking about like what they're doing right now what they think of us right now like when we're in our like silly moods and we're like <laughs> acting stupid and being silly and dancing around and doing all these crazy things both of us are always like oh my god Rolo and alan are literally looking down at us like y'all idiots do y'all know how stupid you look or if we do something stupid like oh the real look yeah the real look that we can feel yeah that you're like okay okay my bad my bad (laughs) heard noted got it i still get that one from my mama (laughs) and she passed long ago but you know i still when i do something i don't think she would be proud of it's i get i feel the look and i'm like okay okay mama i hear you yeah it's it's pretty funny Uh, and that's just another way that we handle our grief you know, not everybody's going to be like that. Not everybody can be like that. That's just the best way it is for us to handle it and to um, And if you process. don't believe in the signs, you don't believe in them. One day a sign will come, I guarantee it, that will make you believe in it. But um, don't force it, you know? I was more so talking about just, like, talking about, like, oh, what are they doing up there, like, joking around oh like yeah that. like, that's just how we handle it we just want to know and we're just joking and like we, we're bored what, we're are bored. They bored are they bored are they just chilling like what do they are do? they bored because we're not doing anything entertaining <laughs> like do we need to do some tricks okay so we have two more questions 
One is, do you believe in karma? Absolutely. I mean, I, I absolutely, I don't think you, how could you not? I've seen it play out way too many times um, to not. Not even the playing out, but like, I mean, yes. I don't know. How do I, I yeah. should have been more prepared. I don't know how I answer that question without just being like, yeah, duh, because I'm like, I don't think there is a way you either. It's kind of one of the things, either you believe in it or you don't kind of like yeah. sky daddy. Yeah. You either believe or you don't. I get that. So it's like, yeah, karma's real I, and it'll, it'll bite you in the ass. That's why, you know, me and Molly, as much as we joke and as much as we play hard, me and her honestly are, we try our hardest to be just just as compassionate to other people and completely forget what's going on in our life to help somebody else because I don't care. I don't need details. You don't have to come to me with details. You can come to me and just say, hey, my life has been shit lately. Like, I'm going through a lot. And I'll be like, all right, what's up? Let's you want to talk? It. Like, you will never be judged by us. And I yeah. think... Even though we have RBF really bad, both of us, um, we are approachable. Yeah, no, we're actually really nice. We go out to bars and people like... will message us afterwards and be like, I saw you at the bar, but I was too scared to say hey. And I'm like, bro, we, I, I ain't Taylor Swift. I'm no, I don't have a security guard. What are you scared to say hey for? Maybe it's because that's how I answered him. Probably. That um, Maybe. What was the next question? The very last question is, do you believe, or do you think affirmations work? Yeah, we do our affirmations with the kids in the car. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. If you guys have kids, get download on Spotify app, whatever you have, the Snoop Dogg. The affirmation song, or it's called Affirmation Song with Snoop Dogg. And it's great. It, it's great for kids. It's great for adults. Like, we do it with the kids. Um, it's like an instant mood mood upper. Yeah. Because you're just sitting there being like, I am responsible. <laughs> I am responsible. I get better every single day. I get better every single day. It reminds me of like Nas's like, I, I know can. I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as far as affirmations, I mean, there's affirmations that you can say that can build, you know, your self-confidence, your self-love. There's affirmations whether you're trying to manifest something in your life i mean there's so many different types of i've never been very good at the manifesting ones but i i'll say i am a pro at the ones where you know you look in the mirror and you're like dang i look good oh yeah no i'm not good at that um damn i'm fine today yeah no i don't do that um oh that's just me that's just you um but Those yeah. work. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I definitely believe in, in affirmations, um, especially with your kids. I mean, starting as young as you possibly can. I know everybody has seen those videos on TikTok where, you know, little girls are getting their hair brushed and they're saying, I am beautiful. I am smart. I am kind things like that. Like, but seriously, start young, do those. And you're going to build up a kid with hat that has, you know, the best self-confidence and belief in themselves and not just themselves and in you even when you think it's too much like i think it's too much sometimes with sailor and then i'm like no don't dim that because she's gonna be the most bold outgoing and just like 
full of self-confidence because she'll be like, like I'm so funny and I'm like yes you are baby yeah. she's like I'm so cute I'm like yes you are baby yeah. and it's just as simple as reminding them too that you know you're proud of them you're you know you love them they're doing a great job they're doing a great job whether it be that day with something they're working on just in life anything any kind of affirmation is going to be helpful um to anybody yeah I'm on the same page. I agree. The first truck of the evening took over. Oh, and I think it's coming back around. <laughs> it's a speedway. We're reporting live from the Indy 500. And uh, whatever car that was took the gold. <laughs> took the gold. I don't they don't get medals. I don't think they get medals. I, oh, God. I think they just my get brother them. and my dad would kill me right now. I think they just get first second and third place or something like yeah that. i think it's just first oh, okay whatever i don't, I don't even think second and third matter because if you're not first you're last you remember <laughs> shake and bake baby <laughs> shake and bake all right well this has been a really fun episode i'm glad we've been able to catch a few people up i think that it would be a great idea if y'all started from the beginning but i've told a few of y'all that already if you don't want to um, jump in at season two, I can understand why you would be confused um, because a lot goes on in our lives. But this is us. This is me. This is real. Okay, please stop. Anyways. This is us. This is us. In the truest of forms. <laughs> um, and now we're going to go watch the Kardashians. So we love you guys so much. And we're so much. Th- oh, wait, Ryan. Fuck. Y'all. We have some tragic news. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. You got to talk while I sing. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Ryan, our best friend from Walgreens, um, has left us. He is moving on to a bigger and better um, company and job opportunity. And he We're so us, proud of him. We're so proud. And he sent us an, a very very sweet message letting us know that he would no longer be there but that he let his marketing team know about us so hopefully we'll be having a hopefully we'll still be on with walgreens conversation with ryan number two i don't care what their name is they're going to be ryan number two oh we miss you already ryan and we wish you the best and thank you for always being our walgreens cheerleaders because you were really you were a turning point for us you're a gem but whatever company this is so lucky to have you i'm so proud of the growth you're doing amazing sweetie i'm so proud okay anyway Anyway. can we stop doing that can we stop talking about this no okay we love you we appreciate you you're all beautiful and thank you for turning tuning in to another episode of two undead girls and as always stay undead, undead.